Right, we are continuing our kickoff series, and today we're talking about being better equipped. Last week we talked about being a better, stronger community, and that we need to be the best community we can be. We need to be connected and unified, not just for us, but for those who don't know Jesus. As the kids go, like I said last week, we talked about being better community, and we are basing all this whole series, and not just this whole series, but everything we do as a church, everything we do as a mission, whether it's here or Redverse or online, we're basing it all off one single solitary verse. And so I'll do a Sunday school thing. If you memorize the verse, I'll give you a prize. Okay? How's that? Okay? Does that anymore? Anyways, here's the verse. Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints. And what are you being equipped for? For two things. For the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. And so last week we talked about the building up. The body of Christ being strong and healthy and being all that God has called us to be. And this morning we're kind of doing it backwards, but that's okay. We're talking about being better equipped. Because if the reality is, is that each and every one of us individually has a calling on our life. We have a ministry, we have a mission, we have a, a world of influence that only we have. And so we need to be equipped to be effective and powerful and strong and a good influence in the areas that God has placed us. As we've said multiple times all throughout COVID, we have been put here for such a time as this. It is not by accident that you are here. And so we as a church want to make sure that you have all the tools, all the experience, everything you need to not just do the ministry, but to be strong in it, to flourish, to be successful, and to be able to pass it on to others and encourage others. And by extension, when we are strong individually, when we are equipped and we are doing the things that God has called us to do, and we're doing it well, the community gets stronger. The community benefits when we are pulling our weight and being strong. And we're going to look at one of the best examples I have for this later on. Um, but my first question, and this is super easy because, you know, I, first question, got to start you easy. Get you going. Uh, everyone online, throw in the answer. You probably already know it. Question one, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Look at that, it auto-fills, that's cool, hey? Um, <laughs> if you look at the bulletin, it's already filled in, so you're cheating. Um, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, a team is only as strong as its weakest player, um, and as we'll see, an army is only as strong as its weakest soldier. And so in, all of all, in light of all of this, it's why we as a church, we don't have a uh, leave any man left behind um, Tim's waving stuff at me. It's distracting. Um, I had Tim break into my house to get my sword, so that's why he's got it. Um, perfect. Thank you. So I, as a church, we're not just focusing on the strong people and making them stronger. We're focusing on everybody because we don't want anyone left behind. We don't want anyone to not be successful and strong in their ministry. We don't want anyone to be distant from their, in their relationship with God. We want everyone to flourish, everyone to be strong, and everyone to be all that God has called them to be. Nobody left behind, nobody overlooked, nobody um, 
unequipped for the things that God has called them to. So this morning, uh, we're going to stay in Ephesians. We're actually going to fast forward a couple verses to Ephesians 6. Um, The reason for Ephesians 6, one of the Apostle Paul's favorite analogies when it comes to the Christian faith and the Christian life is that of a soldier. And so many of Paul's letters were written under guard of a Roman soldier. He was in prison, or he's under house arrest, and at every point, or he's being marched from one prison to another, or one king to another, and under all of those situations, he always had a soldier with him. And more times than not, it was a Roman soldier. And so as he's writing these letters, and he's trying to come up with words that would help encourage the brothers and the sisters in faith, he so often comes back to this idea of a soldier. So this morning we're going to unpack the soldier analogy found in Ephesians 6, verse, starting at verse 10. Uh, and instead of reading through the whole passage and then reflecting back on it, we're actually going to take it really slow. and We're going to unpack each part as we go, uh, what it meant back then and what it means for us today. And then we're going to move into um, something else. Uh, take the analogy of a soldier a step further than maybe Paul did. But anyways, all that said, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces, of this, of, in the heavenly fa- places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So Paul starts off this analogy with the most important reminder, and it's good for them and it's good for us now. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not people. And so often we we confuse those things, right? We so often look at people who don't believe the same things as us or argue with us or don't have the same opinion as us and you are my enemy. No, they are not our enemy. Especially for us as church, we get caught up in this language of us and them, us being the the faithful, us being the believers, us being the ones who punched our ticket, quote-unquote, and them being everyone else. They're not here, they're not with us, it's them, (sighs) It's not us, them, because they're not the enemy. The government is not the enemy. The, the police are not the enemy. Nobody, no person is the enemy. We have a spiritual enemy who is the devil, whose sole purpose in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And everyone else falls under two categories. We all start in category one. At one point, we didn't know Jesus. At one point, we didn't know the truth. At one point, our desires and passions were opposed to God's desires and passions for us. At one point, we were enemies of God. And somewhere along the way, someone came and said something, shared something, invited us to something, and that changed for us. And we stop being captive to the lies of the enemy. We stop being captive to the lies of the world. And our minds were set free and our hearts were set free. And we experience the freedom and forgiveness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not everyone has experienced that. Not yet. 
Because if we're doing our job as a church, everyone, nobody will be safe from it. Nobody will be able to escape it. Everyone is going to have this experience. But that is not, because people who have not had that salvation experience does not make them our enemy. It just makes them somebody we need to be praying for and sharing with and witnessing to because they just don't know yet. They're still trapped. In the, in the most cases, they don't know they're trapped. They don't know that their addiction is a scheme of the enemy. They don't know that their thoughts are keeping them captive and holding them back from all that God wants them to be. They just don't know. But not knowing doesn't make them an enemy. It just means they need to be told, and we need to love on them. We need to be patient with them. Paul likes that word, patience. It's one that he, I feel he needed to remind the whole church, us and them and everybody, them being the early church, us being today. Oh, this person is really starting to irk me. Patience. The gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. There's a re- we need God's little extra help when it comes to being patient sometimes, don't we? But it's not on us and them because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And in order for us to be successful in the battles, in order for us to be successful in life when we have a spiritual enemy, we need spiritual things to help us overcome the temptations and the struggles that come our way. Our physical strength is not enough. Our physical mind is not enough. Our worldly knowledge is not enough to overcome this enemy. We need God's strength. We need God. And that's why, why Paul starts right there. Rely on the strength of the Lord. Arm yourself with God's armor, not the world's armor, not the world's knowledge, but arm yourself with God's strength because that's the only thing that's going to help you succeed when the devil comes and tries to throw you off. And so it's not a matter of, well, I just need it when I need it. It's a, we need it all the time. We need that strength. We need God's armor. We need God's wisdom and guidance. And because we, are, we can never underestimate our enemy. Our enemy has been doing this for a very long time. And we need the one who's been battling him since time began to help us and lead us and guide us. So um, the big reminder It is not us versus everybody else. It's all of us against a spiritual enemy, and we need to be praying. We need to be seeking ways to set the captives free so they can experience the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul says, this is the the armor. This is is how we are going to overcome the schemes of the devil. Oh, hey, I had that. That was supposed to be up the whole time I was talking, so there it is. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the belt of truth. One of the things we learned about the early Roman soldier is that of all the pieces of armor that he had, the belt was the one thing he probably wore all the time. He didn't have to have the breastplate on to wear the belt. He didn't have to have his sword to have the belt. The belt was always there. He wore it whether he was fully armed, heading into war, or just having a casual day hanging out with his buddies. And that is a great analogy for the truth, because it's not the truth of the world. It's the truth that our commanding officer has given us. It's the truth that God has given us, and we need to have it on all the time. We need to not have these moments of, ha- we were like, oh, well, I kind of believe that. No, 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 no. This is the truth, and it's true whether 
no matter what the circumstance, no matter who you're talking to, the truth is the truth. And so we need to hold on to the truth. We need to have it on us at all times. And And the other thing we learned about the belt is that when it was all armed up and when the soldier had all of his pieces on, the belt held everything in place. So the belt went on, the breastplate attached to it so that it wasn't flipping around when in the middle of a fight. The sword attached to it. The shield actually attached to it. Um, everything attached to the belt. The belt was so important in order for everything else to work. Truth is so important. The truth that God gives us day in and day out is so important that nothing else works properly without it. It is the one thing we need on at all times. And the breastplate was just a big metal plate that protected all the vital organs. And Paul uses the breastplate as a righteousness. Righteousness here is being defined as obeying the commandments of God. And so Paul says that we are obeying God's commandments, we're obeying God's teaching and his truth It is going to protect everything that is vital in our life. And most importantly, when it comes to spiritual things, it's going to protect our heart. Why? Because when we are following God's commands, Jesus said that if you love me, you will follow my commands. You will obey my commandments. When we are obeying the commands, when we stand before God, we have nothing to be guilty of. We have no shame, we have no guilt, we have nothing. And the lies of the devil, because the devil loves to use guilt to throw you off. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I know, thank you. Thanks for keeping me informed. But he likes to bring it up. And if we are following and we're living the way that God has called us to live, our heart is protected from the guilt. Our heart is protected from this one massive scheme the devil loves to use against us. And so righteousness is the one thing we put on that protects the one thing that is most vital to us, and that's our heart. So the belt, the breastplate, the shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of grace. In the Roman times, the shoes were special for the soldier because they couldn't just be your normal They couldn't just be normal shoes. They had to be good for marching long distances, but they also had to be grippy and secure so that in the midst of a battle, the soldiers weren't slipping and falling and opening themselves up to attack. And so the shoes are special. And one of the things that Paul pointed out, one of the commentators pointed out, is these shoes actually got more comfortable the more they were worn. So after a long march, the shoes didn't feel the same. They felt broken in, and shoes do that today. They get broken in. They get more comfortable. And Paul uses shoes as our readiness. Peter says that we should be ready in season and out to testify about the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus. Well, how, do we, how are we ready in season and out of season, as Peter says? We just have to be more familiar with the gospel. We need to know what we believe. We need to know why we believe it. We need to be sensitive to God's working in our lives day in and day out. Would you be ready for me to call you up one day and be like, hey, what's God teaching you today? Because that's the testimony. If we believe that God is a working God, an act of God who never stops, who never sleeps, then that means that somewhere today God has already been at work. 
means God has already spoken something to you. He's already revealed himself to you. He is showing you something already today. And the question is, have we seen it? Are we ready to testify of the goodness that we've already experienced? And are we ready to do it in season and out of season? And like the shoes of a Roman soldier, the more we study, the more familiar we are, the more, the more we prepare our hearts for that moment to share, the more ready we are. And the, more we won't, the less chance we have of being thrown off when the opportunity to share and testify comes, we'll be ready. So readiness in the gospel, the shoes, and all circumstances take up the, field, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith. Like I said, we were, when it comes to like the weak link, when it comes to the shield, one of the strengths of the Roman shield is that it held the front line of a battle. But it wasn't the individual shields that got their strength. They actually interlocked and overlapped. And the strength of the shield wasn't necessarily the one guy behind it, but it was the guys beside him, and the guys beside him, and the guys beside him. And so the line became weak wherever the weakest soldier was. And so that whole front line had to be strong. That whole front line had to put the shield down and stand there no matter what came, no matter how hard the enemy force pushed, they had to hold the ground because they weren't going to give anything up. Our shield, our faith, is not developed solo. Our faith is not refined by ourselves. And our faith is not practiced at home. Our faith is built up in community. Our faith is only as strong as the people we surround ourselves with to help build it up and make it stronger. Our faith is not just me standing my ground trying to withstand the storm of life, but it's the people that I surround myself with. It's the people of faith who are beside me, my brothers and my sisters, as we all stand our ground, as we all try to take back our country and our nation and our communities from our spiritual enemy, but I can't do it by myself. It's going to take all of us, all of us staying strong, all of us staying sharp. And the interesting thing about the shield was it wasn't just a front, protect the front. One of the things commentators have said that we have often said incorrectly, the shield actually was a whole body protector because in the event a Roman soldier ever had to retreat, and there were times they retreated, they just slapped the shield on their back and now they're protected they're good as they fled from the situation so that they could regroup and try again your shield is the one thing that protects your whole life your faith is the one thing that will help you stand firm no matter what is going on and no matter where the attack is coming from your faith will keep you strong and the last two take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet is obvious. As Paul is looking at this Roman soldier, it protects his head. There was actually something that came down the neck. It would protect the neck as well. And at the moment of salvation, we're not just forgiven of our sins. If we think that salvation is just God coming in, forgiving us, wiping the slate clean, and then sending us off, that we're wrong. Because salvation is actually a changing of our mind in regards to sin. We view sin 
differently. As Paul says in Romans 2, it is a renewing of our mind. And we don't see sin, we don't see life, we don't see family, we don't see, re- we don't see anything the same. Our whole thought process is renewed at the moment of salvation. It's renewed and it's continually being renewed day in and day out. And so Paul says that is your helmet. Your salvation protects your thinking. Your salvation, because when the lies come, when deception comes, and the doubt comes, it's going to be what God has already accomplished in your life at the moment where you surrendered everything to Him that's going to protect your thinking. Your salvation is your helmet protecting, arguably, one of the most important things in your life, your way of thinking. And the sword. The sword that I had Tim break into my house to get. So this is a swordfish nose. It's not very sharp, but if I hit you with it, it'll still hurt. I guarantee it. And as Paul is describing, and all Scripture describes, it's a double-edged sword, as they have used to describe the word, sharper than any double-edged sword, actually, Hebrews said, able to cut through, well, Everything. And the Roman soldier, this was his offensive weapon. This was the one thing. Everything else was defensive. This was the one thing that kept everyone at bay and kept him advancing toward his goal. This was the one weapon that could do some damage. In fact, in the hands of a Roman soldier, the sword was so, in, so intimidating that he could just start swinging it in the air and everyone knew to stand back. That is the power of a sword in the hands of a soldier. And it's not a coincidence that this is the analogy that Paul uses for the Word of God because the Word of God is equally sharp and equally powerful and we need to be equally wise with how we use it because the reality is is that there are people who have been hurt by the Word of God and they've been cut so deep that unless God does something, there's no healing it. It's why it's so important we keep in mind who our enemy really is because this thing can do real damage. And we, the church has got a long history. And I'm, when I say church, I mean in general. Christianity has a bad history of taking this word and taking it as the weapon that it is and hurting people who didn't need to be hurt and cutting people down who didn't need to be cut down. They actually needed to be built up. And then on the flip side, when things get tough and the enemy is pouring it on hard and things are just overwhelming, we don't run to this. When Jesus was tempted in the Gospels, what did he do? He didn't just come up with really good arguments. He quoted scripture to beat back his enemy. And as Jesus did it, so should we. We need to know our word and we need to know how to use it. We need to know We need to trust how strong and how powerful it is to help us take back the things that God has called us to take back. Question two. You think about our different pieces of the armor. Salvation, righteousness, readiness in the gospel, the word of God, the belt of truth. Which of our pieces of armor needs the most work? Because the reality is, is that it's, not, it's one thing to have the armor, but if we don't take care of it, it's not ready to go when we need it the most. Because shields would rust if they weren't taken care of. 
breastplates would rust if they didn't take care of. And all of a sudden, that moment when we need it the most, the arrow goes through something that wasn't supposed to go through and we get hurt by something we shouldn't have been hurt by. But we need to be taking care of our armor. We need to stay sharp with our sword and we need to stay strong with our shield. And So what is the one area in our life? Because it's not a matter of looking at all of it saying it all needs work. Just pick one thing. Pick one piece of armor that needs the most work and focus on that for a time. As I said, the soldier analogy is good. Paul only takes to that point, but I'm going to take it a step further. If you've ever seen any kind of history book or any kind of documentary on war or any kind of game on war, you know that in an army, not everyone stood on the front line with a shield. Not everyone was trying to hold the line. There's different roles within the army. And they weren't just given their armor saying, here, (laughs) good luck. But they were equipped, they were trained, they were given experience so that when the time came, they knew not only how the armor worked, but how it was going to hurt somebody or how it was going to accomplish the thing it was called to do. And so we had people on the front line, the heavies as some would call it. We had the archers who stood in the back and just lobbed projectiles at the enemy. We had guys on horses, the cavalry, that would break through enemy lines. We had the infantry, and even today, we have the army, we have the air force, we have the navy, and within each and every one of those parts, there's specialized people doing specialized things in order to make the whole unit work better. And the reality is, is that we're not all called to be the same thing. And as a church, we're not just equipping everyone to be able to do everything good. We're equipping you to walk in the calling that God has put on your life and to do it excellently. So you don't have to be good at everything. You just have to be excellent at the one thing God has gifted you to do. The one thing that God has put passions and desires and excitement about. The things that you, only you can do because of the personality that God has given you and the gifts that God has given you. You have a calling that nobody else can accomplish and you're going to do amazing things for people that nobody else is going to have influence over. And so it's not a matter of just training everyone to be good intercessors. It's not a matter of teaching everyone to be good at teaching. It's not a matter of teaching everyone to... No, it's finding our teachers and making them better teachers. It's finding our intercessors and making them better intercessors. It's finding our greeters and our small group hosts. There's people that just are really good at hosting people. There's people that are just really good at fill in the blank. And some of those things are going to be up front and visible and it's going to get all the accolades and things go well. And There's going to be those that are behind the scenes that are never seen, never given any accolades, but all of them are equally important. Just like in an army, just like our bodies. It is not a matter of some doing something well and everybody being able to do the same thing good. It's a matter of being excellent at the thing that God has called you to and the thing that God has called you to has a place in God's army has a place in God's church. And so we're not just blanket teaching everybody, we're specialized teaching everybody so that you can flourish in the things that God has gifted you to do. That's why a church has lots of ministries, has lots of opportunities, because it's not a one-size-fits-all, it's not a cookie-cutter thing. 
as God has made each and every one of you individually, you have an individual calling that only you can accomplish. So why would I try to fit you in a mold that you don't fit in? The question is, is what is your spot? What is your calling? What are your giftings? What are your interests and your passions? Where do you see yourself fitting? And if you need help with that, that's okay. Sure, we'll put that up. I wasn't ready for it, but that's okay. Where do you fit in the army of God? Where do you fit? As we as the church try to move forward and advance and take back our country and our communities and our families and our friends from a spiritual enemy who has no intention of ever giving them up. Where do you fit? And if you know the answer to that, then I can help you get better at it. I can equip you. I can give you everything you need to excel. Not because I'm awesome, but because I serve a God who is. Because I serve a God who is full of answers. And maybe this week, this is the one spot that you have to park on. You don't have to worry about the pieces of the armor. You don't have to worry about um, anything else. You just have to focus this week and say, God, where do I fit? What's my spot? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Take that sword. Um, God, I thank you that we are better together. That even though we are individual and we have giftings and passions that are different from one another, it all has a place. And so God, as we as an army and as a group try to do the things that you've called us to, help us to know where we fit. If we know where we fit and we know where our giftings are, then God, help us see which parts of our armor needs to help. What do we need to focus on this week? What do we need to... And who do we need to reach out to? Maybe it's not a matter of us growing in our skills, but who do I need to bring alongside and empower to do the thing that you've called me to do? Who can I pass it on to? Who can I expand this opportunity to? God, I thank you that we are better together. And I pray, Father, that you would build us up Make us stronger, not just individually, but as a church that we as a group can keep our eye on the ultimate prize and accomplish the things that you have called us to accomplish. Increase our sensitivity this week in our prayer times and our devotional times. God, may you speak to us so clearly about where we fit and what we need to do. Pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.